Our scripture reading today is from the book of Jude, reading the first 13 verses. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain, to Balaam's error, then perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs. At your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you so much for this time that we have to be able to look into your word. Lord, to learn about you, to learn about uh, goodness and what you would have for our lives. Lord, to learn about the way that we should be. Lord, we ask you bless this time. Lord, bless our hearts and, and let us hear from you this morning. Lord, bless our minds and let us focus on what we have in front of us this morning. Lord, help us to take all of our distractions and leave them behind. Push them out of our minds so that we may focus on your goodness this morning, Lord. Lord, I ask you be with Pastor Doug this morning as he shares with us that which you've laid on his heart. Lord, give him strength in his voice and give him fortitude in his truths, Lord, here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Becoming more aware of when Jesus told the lame man to take up his bed and walk. I have this chair here that I only have to use it one more week, by the way, which I'm kind of thankful for. And thank you, continued your prayers. I really appreciate that. Well, good morning to all of you. Oh, wow, you are awake. Thank the Lord. That's wonderful. My wife, uh, 
wonderfully asked me if I was going to sing with the choir this morning. I hadn't been at any of the rehearsals, and Renee, I'm so sorry that I that haven't been able to make them, but I'm really sorry I didn't get to sing a southern gospel song. <laughs> Those of you that know me understand that is a, a pun on word. Maybe one time we'll sing it again, huh? Just let me know. <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. But anyway, it is good to see you. I'm glad that you are here. Before we begin, I, I, I want to at least wish, uh, at least to share a comment of appreciation to all of you who have had to sit through these sermonic presentations of such a small book, and you're probably wondering, Pastor, when are we going to get to the end of it? Let's move it along. Come on. There's only 25 verses. Certainly you've preached on a larger passage than that in one setting. Well, I find it even more difficult to sit and dine, if you will, on a small portion. And, and that's what we've been doing, but I, I really appreciate your willingness to stick with me. We will come to the end, can I get an amen? We will come to the end of this particular book, but I want you to realize that taking these small sections as we have been are valuable for us. Hopefully it's valuable for us for two reasons, number one. We need to really take the time to sit and to understand what is it that Jude is trying to communicate. And you can't take that quickly. But secondly, I'm hoping that what we are doing with this book will at least encourage you to walk closer with Jesus Christ. Because ultimately that is the game. Ultimately, that is the desire. And, and so this morning, um, we need to take a slight detour, just a slight detour. And, and you'll understand why we're taking this detour as we get into the sermonic presentation. But I ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Numbers. We're going to start, first of all, in the book of Numbers, particularly chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Now you may have to go to the table of contents to find out what the book of Numbers is. But in reality, it's only the first. If you go to the fourth book of the Old Testament, you'll find it. Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Then Deuteronomy. So Numbers. Chapter 16. I want to read the first five verses. And then we'll go over to verse 25 and read through to verse 35. First of all, Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 to 5. Now Korah, the son of Izar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and, and On, the son of Pelah, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with a number of people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. And they assembled themselves together 
against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he said to Korath and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to him, the one whom he chooses he will bring near to him. Now go over to verse 25. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abraham, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touching nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah and Daath and, and Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood at the door of their tents together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. And as soon as Moses had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, let the earth swallows us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed it to 250 men, offering the incense. What a tragic picture that is, isn't it? How do we even bring this into the book of Jude? Well, that's what Jude talked about. The rebellion of Korah. We'll, we'll get to that. But what we need to remember is this. The reason we read this passage was to prepare us for what Jude is written in verses 11 through 13. I've come to the conclusion, though, in my study that the letter of Jude follows chronologically with 2 Peter. Because if you were to turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, and specifically in verse 1, these are the words that are written there. It says this, There will be false teachers among you who will subtly introduce destructive heresies. 
In other words, and then when you turn back to Jude, you come to realize and discover that what Peter said would happen, Jude is saying it is happening. And and so that's why in verse 4, when Jude writes, and this is going back a few sermons, I know, but Jude is saying that these certain people have crept in and they've crept in unnoticed who long ago God has set them apart for destruction. They are destined for condemnation. And then he says, these are ungodly people. Wow. And it's because of this reality that Jude, if you like, is a faithful pastor who's writing to the churches under his care or even to writing to Christians everywhere and maybe as if it were, we're even reading, receiving this letter even for ourselves here this morning at Grace Community Church. His tone is not one of condemnation, but rather it's a response of consternation. And he is deeply concerned about these things, isn't he? And he comes and he recognizes the challenge that is faced by us who are followers of Jesus Christ. How do we, in reality, notice or understand these ones who have crept in? It wasn't too many years ago that a commentary, a commentator, if you will, wrote with dealing with the schemes of the devil as he designs to draw people away from Jesus Christ. And I read his quote, it's this. What was useful warning in the time of Judas is more necessary in our own age. It's amazing. And so if that was true then, then surely every generation needs to remain vigilant, needs to be prepared, contend for the faith that has been delivered, if you will, to the saints. And then realize that this truth is unchanged and it's unchanging. Well, now we turn our attention to verse 11 in Jude. And I believe I mentioned this last week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I, I, believe I mentioned this. And, and you'll notice that June begins, verse 11, with a solemn judgment on those who have crept in by saying, Woe to them. Woe to them. And the reason Jude comments this way is because he's about to bring lessons from the past whereby God pronounced judgment on Cain, on Balaam, and Korah, which we read from the very beginning this morning. So in fact, we're going to quickly look at these three, these three individuals, if you will, as examples that are given to us in verse 11. And then in verse 12 and 13, we have six characteristics And you're saying to yourself, oh man, he's going long today. No, I'll just mention it and move along as quickly as I can. But we dare not just skip over them, dear people. Because they're highlighted here for the purpose, if you will, to draw our attention. Remember, it is Jude who was saying, I beseech you, wake up. This is happening in the church. Be aware of what is happening. But I want to take it a step further, if I may. 
We need to be aware that this may even be happening in our own life as we exit the doors. We need to be careful. Okay, well, first, if you'll notice, in verse 11, Jude points out that they walked in the way of Cain. I know how much of you love homework. I love these teenagers sitting up here. I know they love homework. Can I get an amen from the teenagers here? No, they're shaking the opposite. Okay. But I, I give you homework. It's up to you. I, I'm not, not going to take the time to go back and read every one of these accounts. But I will highlight where you can go later on and, and look at your homework. And, and you read it. But for this first one, for your homework, you need to go back to Genesis chapter 4. And you need to read the first eight verses of that chapter. And there you will find a tragic ending of a brother relationship. Cain killed his brother Abel. And tragic as it is, we begin to ask ourselves the questions, why? Why is it? But yet there's a clearer understanding. And, and if you wrote, jot down Genesis 4, 1 to 8, draw a line just parallel to it and, and put down this verse, 1 John 3, 12. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, which John writes, and this is what he says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And, and why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Wow, doesn't that remove from our eyes the scales that keep us from understanding what was going on in Genesis chapter 4? Because John, in the guiding of the Holy Spirit, says the reason Cain did this is because he belongs to the evil one. His deeds were evil. His heart was totally against being accountable to who God is. And in fact, if you go to Genesis 4 and go beyond verse 8, you begin to realize that all of a sudden Cain is not interested. God tells him sin is at your door. It's knocking at your door. It wants to control you. And Cain says, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to be held accountable to God and who his righteousness is. Oh, wow. The amazing thing of it is, is that, isn't that what's happening even today in our society? I don't want to be held accountable. I'm just going to go on and do my own thing. I really don't care what the word of God has to say. In fact, I'm even at that point in my life that I don't even believe there's a God. Wow, now we're walking in dangerous territory, aren't we? But it's nothing new. It's nothing new, dear people. For if you go to Romans chapter 1, in fact, let me encourage you to turn there. Romans chapter 1. In verse, beginning at verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. All of a sudden now... We're brought into a deeper understanding of really what's going on here with Jude. What's going on with his people. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. 
who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. But for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And the things that, that they do not honor him, I'm sorry, and the things that, that have been made so that they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up for the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth for God, exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served creatures rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, what are we talking about with this, with this thing of Cain? Well, this is the way. I don't want God's authority on my life. I don't want to be accountable to Him. I'm just going to go do my own thing. We're, we're, we're living in a society of Burger King. Have it your way. You, you can't. You can't just have it your way. Because unfortunately, like Cain, it will lead to a way of destruction. Oh, that's only the first one. Now we get to Balaam. The error of Balaam. They abandon, you'll notice the word. When you go back to Jude chapter 11, you, you'll notice the word. It says that they abandoned themselves. They left themselves. Well, who is this Balaam character? Well, again, your homework is this. Numbers 22 through Numbers 24. Three chapters you'll need to read. Then when you get to chapter 31 and verse 8, you will see that Moses brings Balaam in front of everybody and slays him because of what he's done. Well, what did he do that was so bad that all of a sudden he's listed in this place? Well, a couple of other places you'll need to turn to to understand what is going on. If you turn to the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, verse 14, you don't need to turn there. I'll just tell you. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, and verse 14, John is writing to the church of Pergamum. And this is what he has to say in verse 14. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. But prior to that, again, we made mention of the fact that Jude follows chronologically to 2 Peter. You go back to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. And Peter's writing this. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, 
who loved gain from wrongdoing. Oh, that's why Moses brought him in chapter 31, numbers of verse 8, brought him before the congregation and slew him right there. It's because Balaam sold out for money to deny the very person of God. Now, who does that sound like coming to the Easter season? That's not new either, is it? How tragic that is to see that Cain and Balaam. And then Jude says, the problem that you have in these characters is a really significant problem. It's not something just to gloss over. And don't for one moment imagine that that word error, there might be just a little slip. Two plus two equals five. I guess that's new math now, isn't it? Two plus two equals five. In my day, you'd get, you wouldn't get any points for that. But I guess today, they don't, they don't mark off for that, do they, guys? I mean, it's all two plus two, five. At least they know you're awake in class. That's not just an error. That word there, translated in the Greek, literally means a determinate action against God. It was a purpose of Balaam. It wasn't a mistake. It was a planned purpose. I kind of wonder if maybe if Balaam wouldn't have paid attention to that donkey he was riding, keep him from that misery, maybe he should have been struck down by the angel of the Lord with a sword. No, you have to go back and read that. That's Numbers chapter 22. That would have at least kept him out of Jude. Oh, he died a good man. Okay, fine. He was riding the donkey. He got slain. Big deal. But no. His was all about gain, financial gain. Oh, now I think you're clicking this morning. Now you're seeing how these individuals are influencing the people that Jude is writing about. Cain didn't want to be held accountable by anybody. Not even God. Balaam, to him, is all about money and riches and worldly fame. Oh, now we get to Korah. And we read Korah, didn't we, this morning? Well, what was wrong with Korah? Well, the lesson behind Korah was this. We will not bow to the authority of the leaders. Now, when you take that into the church, now we've got a big problem. Now, I'm not saying that our elders and deacons are, are perfect. Can I get an amen from those of you that know them best? They're not perfect. Nolan agrees with me. Amen, brother. I understand that. We're not perfect. But we are commissioned by God. Moses. Korah came to him and said, we don't want anything to do. Who are you, he says. We're just as holy as you. We belong to the nation of Israel. God has visited us. I got 250 backing me up. They didn't want anything to do with Moses. Who are you to be the leader? Who chose you? 
Oh. So here you have the account that the earth opened up and swallowed them. And everybody ran away screaming. And then a fire from God came down. And the 250? (laughs) They're crispy critters. They're done. So what do we get from this? What is it that we should gain from this? Well, you'll notice that the verbs that are used here are a progression of downward spiral. Well, let me just review them for you. Then, you. then you'll catch on here. First of all, they just walked in the way of Cain. Just taking a few steps, if you will. Then they abandoned themselves. The step that maybe they could still see the shadow of Christ behind them. But now that they begin to abandon themselves, the understanding of the truth of the Word of God becomes less and less valuable. And lastly, they perished. They perished. How tragic that is. That individuals, now these are not individuals on the outside, they're people. Remember, these are the ones who have slept, who have crept in unnoticed in the church. They are in amongst themselves. And they look pretty good. Maybe we should pay attention to them. Maybe we should, maybe they do have a new way of doing things. And I'm not against new ways, by the way. I'm, I, I know I'm old, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm in that group that likes things pretty stable. They messed me up in the back. Last week, Jimmy, he, he was on PowerPoint, and Kent was on, on, on soundboard. I come in this week, Kent's on PowerPoint, Jimmy's on sound, and I'm going, wait a minute, I can't handle this. I like things the way I like them. I come in my office, and the first thing that greets me is Sharky. My goldfish wants to be fed. I got it. I like things that are pretty stoic. Now, I'm not a very stoic person either because I like to do wild things. Let's go for a ride. Where are we going? I don't know. First, we're going to stop at Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee. And then we're just going, where did this road go? I don't know. Let's go. I, I don't mind doing that. But I am totally against anything new that comes into the church that runs contrary to the word of God. That I can't handle. That I won't allow. That I will stand up and be like Jude and say, I beseech you people, wake up. That's what he's saying here. Woe to you if that's the way you want to go. Be careful. Oh, dear saints this morning, Not only be careful in the church, be careful how you live out there. Be careful. Be careful. Well, now, quickly, I just want to go over the six characteristics that Jude highlights in verse 12 and verse 13. The first one, Jude writes, 
These individuals are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. This is an interesting, if you will, uh, characteristic. In other words, they're masters of disguise. They, if you will, they're masters of hypocrisy. Remember, they have perverted the grace of God and the gospel. They have denied the very place of Jesus Christ as master and Lord. And now they're sitting down in what is called the love feast. They're coming to the communion table and thinking everything's okay. No. They're hidden reefs. I don't know much about reefs. I, I, I don't go into the ocean. I, there's too many things there that want to eat me. I don't need to go there. I don't like going to the shore. I know that many of you here love to go to the shore. I don't. You got salt, water, sand, and air. Four things that cause corrosion. I'm old. I don't need to be chewed up. But some like to go, and that's fine. But there are reefs in the ocean, and those reefs are hidden, aren't they? You can't find them right away. Oh, I know you got the great reef that's in Australia. Australia, I got that. And that poor thing is dying. And they're blaming it on global warming. Oh, forget it. But here they are. They're a destructive thing, but they hide. You don't see a flag come up from them saying, a reef, here we are, be careful. No, they will cut you if you step on them. That much I do know, so why do I want to go in there? There's no need of that. Plus, you cut your foot, blood in the water. <laughs> Guess who's coming now? Oh, my word. Anyway. So, superficially, they look good. But inwardly, they're hypocrites. Hypocrites. Oh, the next one. Shepherds feeding themselves. Now here, here you got to go to Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 and 2. And God says to Ezekiel, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel have been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? In other words, what are they doing? They're seeing the opportunity driven by greed. Becoming rich on the backs of the sheep that they should be tending. How tragic. Number three, waterless clouds. The arrival of clouds, even in our own area, as you wake up first thing in the morning, you, you see this dark cloud, and, and we, maybe we've been in a drought, semi-drought, and, and we say, oh, I wonder if it's going to rain today. And the kids are all saying, no, I don't want it to rain today. I want to go outside and play. But pretty soon as the morning goes by, the clouds have dissipated and have gone away. The wind has blown them, and you have no sustenance. 
these waterless clouds, these individuals here can't deliver what they promise. They promise freedom, but in reality, it ends up to be bondage. They promise greatness, but it ends up to being nothing more than a flash in the pan. They have nothing to offer. Number four, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. I don't know if you can get more of a dead tree than that. Twice, it says. Twice dead, uprooted. One thing I know, we've had some pretty drastic winds this past past year. In fact, in the hedgerow up here, if you want to take the time to go visit it, there's this huge tree that has been uprooted laying into the hedgerow itself. The roots are there, you can look at it, and there's a huge hole there. So what are we talking about? What What is Jude talking about? Well, number one, that tree is never going to produce any fruit again. It's dead. It's totally dead. No leaves are going to grow on it. No shade is going to come from it. The only thing it's good for is cutting up and throwing it in a wood fire. That might keep you warm. That's what these people are. There is no fruit there. They're dead. Their word is dead because it's not living. Their passions are dead because they're not focused on Jesus Christ. All they're concerned about is themselves. And Jude says, they're twice dead, uprooted, fruitless. Number five, wild waves. Oh, here we're back to the ocean, aren't we? Wild waves. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 20 says this. The wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and muck. (laughs) Another reason I don't like to go to the shore. Can you imagine? And some of you love it. I, I, I get that. But I've seen things on the shore that have come ashore because the waves has brought it. And there's nothing good in it. Nothing good whatsoever. That foam that comes up. You get that on your clothes, you stink for the rest of the day. I don't care what type of deodorant you use. You're not going to get rid of that stuff. Take your clothes and burn them. Don't wash them. Put them in the washing machine. They contaminate the other clothes that are in there. But they are wild waves. Living in Portland, Oregon, we were invited once to go to the, to the, to the western shore, the Pacific Ocean. And usually the Pacific Ocean is very calm. But this particular day when we were there, visiting friends who have a camp right there on the the shore, there was a storm that was coming in. And all of a sudden these storms, the the waves were not clear and foamy. They were dark. And they held dirt, sand. That's another reason. Sand, it gets where you don't want it to be. And can you imagine that stuff splashing up on you? No, no, I, I, I don't mind getting dirty, but I got to take a shower. But, but that's what they're saying. These are wild waves. They're stirring up so much garbage, so much muck, Isaiah says, that you shouldn't pay attention to them. And the last one, wandering stars. 
There was a time, dear people, teenagers pay attention. There was a time there was no such thing as GPS. We had no cell phones. Is anyone in a congregation remember those days? Can I see your hands? Praise God. No cell phones. See, you're outnumbered. You got no clue. <laughs> there was no such thing as GPS system. The sailors had to, if you will, chart their course according to one star. And the star was the North Star. It's also called the Pole Star. In other words, that star was always in the same position, never moved. And the sailors knew that if they planted their course according to that star, then they would reach their destination. But here Jude says, these are wandering stars. Oh, we like this today. Okay, well, tomorrow maybe it's some of this. Oh, well, it's next week. How about we do this? No continuity, no direction, no, if you will, standard of charting a course. In other words, the total neglect of the Word of God. I know we've moved quite quickly, and, 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 but I need to... Uh, I've said so many negative things this morning, but I, I want to turn it to a positive, if I may. And it's this. If we take those six characteristics that are negative and we turn them to a positive in the face, if you will, or in the person of Jesus Christ... I hope to encourage you. Number one is this. From the hidden reefs turns us to Jesus Christ who always tells the truth. The greedy shepherds who are only in it for feeding themselves if we look at Jesus Christ and we realize that he said, I'm the bread of life, feed on me. Oh, if we go to the, if you will, the clouds without rain, we look at Jesus Christ and you realize that again he says, I'm the living water. He who drinks of me will never thirst. And then you go to the fruitless trees. But in Jesus Christ, he's always, always fruitful in all that he says and does. And then we go to the wandering stars. <laughs> but in Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate, in fact, in our study of Hebrews, you remember that he is the standard. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the Old Testament sacrificial system. Why? Because he is the standard. He is the pole star. And in fact, Jesus even said, heaven and earth will pass away. But not one jot or tittle from my word 
will pass away. Oh, dear people, don't go down that pathway of deception. Stay far from it. Remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Navigate him, for he is the light of the world. Let us pray in closing. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're being warned, not only just in our church, but I also believe in our own personal lives, we're being warned not to follow after paths of destruction, but to have our eyes gaze upon you, to become so, so full of a desire to know you, as Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, that we would desire to leave the enticements that would draw us away from Christ and run after the truth that will draw us closer to Christ. All this, may this be our prayer. May this be our desire and our focus in these days ahead. And I ask this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.